it, I'm excited to be here. When Don, whenever pastor leaves, I always get to speak, and it's always such a wonderful opportunity. I don't take it for granted. I'm excited. You guys are going to think that every time I prepare a sermon, I do it with an empty stomach because <laughs> I, I tend to talk about food sometimes, right? And, uh, and uh, tonight happens to just not be any different than that. But um, Ben, you're good. Thank you, man. Fantastic job. And, uh, but I, I, I believe I have a word from God. I, I believe God wants to just share something with LifePoint. And, uh, and I guess the truth is the past probably seven weeks, I've been trying, doing my best, if you will, uh, to eat a little bit cleaner. Uh, it, it hasn't been easy. And, and, and I'm not going to lie, between my birthday and Memorial Day, and, and it's tough. Has anybody ever tried dieting? Anybody? Uh, a few, one, two, three, okay, like a couple of us. All right, a handful of us have tried. And uh, it's tough, right? I mean, you do your best. You're like, I'm going to cut out carbs. And then the next day, it's like you, for dinner, all you want to eat is carbs. Like, it's like, don't even worry about the burger. I'll just eat the bun, right? Like, you just, you get excited over carbs. Or, or you start a fast, right? And it's like, you could have had those hot dogs that have been molding away in the fridge for like the last four weeks. But that first day of the fast, or maybe, you know, the second day of the fast, you're like, oh. I can't wait to break this fast. I'm just going to eat like hot dogs and ketchup. Like all of a sudden those things that were like repulsive just three days ago, all of a sudden are just so intriguing and like, uh, I guess, enchanting. And you're just like, give me, give me, give me. Uh, the truth is uh, each and every one of us, if we went through the rows here, have a favorite food, right? Have a favorite food. And um, I, I, Grabbed a couple of pictures off the internet. Uh, let, let's see what we have here. Um, is anybody's favorite food just a good old-fashioned hamburger? Uh, yeah, a couple of people. And and here's the thing. If you haven't been to, like, Fat Cow in Baton Rouge over by LSU, go do yourself a service, okay? And if you're not eating, you know, if you are eating carbs or whatever, and, and go over to Fat Cow and try it. It is amazing. Like, they do everything and everything with burgers. Uh, okay, what else do we have? Oh, pizza. There it is. That's like the craving of all cravings. When Lyra was about to be born, we were eating pizzas like three times a week at around 10 o'clock, you know, three times. It was fantastic. Like Lyra, I loved it, man. Okay, so with pizzas. All right, then how about breakfast foods? Do we have any breakfast food lovers? A couple. There it is. Bacon, eggs, waffles. Oh, man. Good thing everyone came to church and has already eaten, right? All right, good, good, good. All right, let, let's see what else we got. Tacos, tacos, fantastic, yes, hallelujah, hallelujah. Heaven's will, heaven will have tacos at the marriage supper of the lamb, I'm convinced. Oh, and then desserts, desserts, there we go. We get, uh, I'm not a cake lover, but anything with, with cream cheese in it, yeah, yeah, I'm all about that. Like New York style cheesecake, I'm all about it. The Bible says, and I, I, you guys have heard me quote this scripture before, and it's, it's, you guys have probably read it and, and loved it, but in Psalms 34 and 8, oh, taste and see, what? That the Lord, he is good. There it is. And blessed is the man that trusteth in him. We walked through every single one of those foods, and, you know, every single one of us kind of gave a little check, and maybe you an X, I don't know, maybe those weren't quite your foods. Maybe you're more of like a, a crawfish lover, or maybe you're more of a, a lobster lover. Uh, Mr. Dan and I, we were just talking about lobster from Maine, and 
man, there you go. That's just like a dream right there for some of us, right? But food is fantastic. It's just wonderful. God blessed us with food. In fact, we've been teaching a Bible study on Tuesday nights, and uh, we've just now made it into Exodus, and it is unbelievable how much food is talked about in the Bible. I mean, you don't even get out of, like, literally the fifth chapter of Genesis, and it's like, you realize God puts places this massive emphasis on food. You look at the garden and all of the tasty, wonderful treats that God supplied for Adam and Eve, and there was, what, only one option that they were not allowed to choose, and what was it? It was food. It wasn't like, all right, I don't want you guys not to go exercise, right? Like, man, that would have been great. Like, Adam and Eve probably would have loved that one. But no, he was like, don't eat. Don't eat of this one tree. And then if you go through it, all of a sudden you look at Cain and Abel and you realize food again. There's a sacrifice taking place. And you go into Jacob and Esau and the birthright, right? And, and what, what happens? The birthright is traded over. It's a bowl of lentils. It's, that's right. It's a bowl of soup. It's, it's, it's food. Once again, it's showing its ugly head, rearing its, its ugly head. A choice is made. And, and Esau gives away his birthright for that bowl of lentils. You go into the book of Judges and you see, you see Samson and he kills that nasty old lion, comes back a few days later, weeks later, whatever, and a, a beehive has made itself, a bees have made a, a hive in the carcass of the lion. And what does he do? He eats, he makes a choice. I'm going to eat uh, of, this, of this honey, right? And he turns it into a riddle. It's a fantastic story. But you look at Gideon. Where did God find Gideon when he was, what? He was making some food, keeping some food, storing some food from the enemy uh, behind the, the threshing uh, press, right? Like he, you walk through the Bible and you realize time and time and time again, food is, is, is talked about. It's mentioned. I mean, you, you go to Acts 2 and 42, what it says. Don't, don't forsake the, you know, gathering yourselves. And it, it talks about getting together and breaking a bread, right? And here we are to get together. We're supposed to get together and eat. Man, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Je- right? Like, man, praise the Lord. And uh, if you've got nothing better to do on a Tuesday night, what are you going to do? You're going to call your friend and say, hey, want to go to eat? Thursday night, who cares? It's always a good night to eat, right? Hallelujah. And, and here's the truth about food. All food is not good for you. All food's not good for you. I know, a terrible wake-up call to find out if you're like 40 years old and got high blood pressure. But, but not all food is good for you. But the worst part about that statement right there is unhealthy foods can become extremely addictive. Extremely addictive. In fact, every time you give yourself unhealthy foods, guess what it does? It literally celebrates in your brain. Your brain sends off all of these signals and says, hey, we like what you just gave us. What you just put in your system, give us more. Yes, yes, yes. And your body, all of a sudden, whether it is Sour Patch Kids or M&Ms or, or bacon or some other food that you should not consume too much of, your brain is going, give me, give me, give me. I want, I want, I want. And you know what's so weird? It doesn't take long for a kid to realize this, right? I mean, it, it just doesn't take long. If I, Lyra already is into ice cream, y'all. She loves it. And, and that's not my fault, okay? Like, uh, 
Mama's here right now, and, and on Monday night at Memorial Day, Mama, she, she, Lyra knew where to go to get her ice cream fix. That's all I'm going <laughs> to, and, and, and I'm telling you, Lyra, she, if I put out some lettuce and I put out a spoonful of, of ice cream, I'll tell you right now which one she's going to go to. And, and she's 10 months old, right? And if you've got kids who are toddlers and you're trying to feed them vegetables, guess what? They're like, oh, bleh. And they're, 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 come on, two more bites or you can't leave the table, right? Is that, it's, that, that's kind of hitting home, right? And you're like, come on, kiddo, you can do it. And you become like a cheerleader at the dinner table. One more bite, yeah. But what you have to do is train your kid to eat the healthy thing well, that bag of Oreos over there, they're hiding and sneaking off to their bedroom and falling asleep eating cookies, right? They don't have to be trained. To eat. They're not stealing carrots and going to bed with them, are they? No, they're going with those bags of cookies or chips or that, that thing they're not supposed to eat. The problem is, each and every one of us, we were made in the form of our Heavenly Father. Adam and Eve, they were made in perfect, uh, they were made perfect. They were made in perfection and, and no sin. And so here they were, just living the dream. But because they fell into sin, all of a sudden, making the right decision became a choice. Making the right decision was all of a sudden a little bit harder than it was maybe 20 minutes before eating from that fruit of that tree of knowledge of uh, good and evil. And because of that Adam, because of that first Adam, we are all born into sin. Psalms 51 and 5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in, my, in sin did my mother conceive me. In Romans 3, 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our flesh, y'all, and I don't have to tell this to you, you get it. Our flesh wants all the bad things. It wants to binge watch every Netflix show out there. It wants to go on every website available at all times. It wants no, like it wants everything that it's not supposed to have. It wants the juiciest gossip, right? It wants to know the dirtiest secret about every person in this room. If if our flesh could have its way, it just wants all of the bad things. The fact is, we are born wanting all of the wrong things. We're wanting all the junk food, and sometimes just pushing away all of the good things of God. You don't have to teach your kid to. You have to teach a kid to tell the truth, to share, or to be kind, but you don't have to teach a kid to lie or be greedy or be mean. It just all comes naturally. Galatians 5, 17 through 23, it says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. They're in a fight. It's a war. And these are contrary to one another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye are led by the spirit... You're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh, this is the flesh here. They are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in the time past, that they which do not such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But look at this, verse 22. But the fruit, but the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. It's extremely interesting, y'all. Extremely interesting. If I had a table set up here tonight, 
right now. And it's dinner time, y'all. It's dinner time. I know some of you didn't. Some of you came right from work, and 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 for that, I thank you for being here. I'm sorry, I'm talking about food. But if we had two tables set up tonight, and we put on these tables, Mandy, let's throw up that first picture there. And we threw that on this table right now. And I said, all right, y'all, we're going to take a 15-minute break, like timeout, halftime, uh, intermission, and let, 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 you know what, throw even a, a, the next one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh, you know what, I don't even have to have a table. I can hand them out, right? And, and if I just start handing out all this, and I'm like, okay, everyone enjoy it. A big fat Coke to go with all that, wash it all down. I, I mean, every single one of us would be like, party. Woo, man, church is, I'm, I'm glad I showed up to midweek, right? And you, we'd all be excited. But on the other hand, sometimes if this other thing, if I was like, hey, who wants one of these? Let's throw that up. Hey, who wants, who wants some cauliflower? Who wants an onion? Yeah, tomato, right? Don't throw it back at me. Or celery, green beans, whatever, right? Like, although all of those would be very, very tasty, I'd love it, eat it at home. I'm like, I'd be holding it like a green bean going, this isn't, this isn't satisfying. But yet the Bible, the Bible tells us that the fruit of the Spirit, the things that we should be craving, the things that are good for us, the things that are, 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 are nutritional to our spirit man, that's what God wants to give to us. Here we are looking at some of this. Let's go back to that other picture real quick. We look at this stuff and this stuff to our eyes, and that's why the Bible talks about the lust of the you know, the, the eyes and being deceived by the eyes and lust of the flesh and being drawn away. Because sin, what does it do? It appetizes. It looks so appetizing to our flesh. Our flesh is like, give me more of that stuff. Give me more of that stuff. And that's why the Bible talks about sin when it, when it brings forth. What does it do? It brings forth death. Right? Like, it doesn't matter. I, I, I love a good hamburger, but eventually, if you mow down on those every single day, arteries are going to get clogged, stuff's going to happen, and your body's not going to function the way that God intended it to function. But fruit and vegetables and all those great things, I'm not, I'm not here doing a science lesson. I'm sorry that I'm stuck on this, but I'm telling you, the Bible, God has an intention. There's a reason he said the fruit of the Spirit, because he knew that your spirit man cannot live on this garbage. He knew that if you feed your spirit man with those uh, fornication and adultery and, and envying and, and, and reveling and partying and drinking, and if you try and feed your spirit man with that, your spirit man is going to die. But if you feed your man with the spirit man with the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, faith, all of these good things from God, your spirit man is going to live. And that's why God even said, you feed them with the wrong stuff, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Your spirit man is doomed. Feed it with the good stuff, and your spirit man will live. The Bible, it's, it, it's beautiful. I love it. It's so cool how it's written. It's amazing. It's, it's an absolutely astonishing book, perfect in all of its ways. And I really believe that it's not by chance that God talked about food so often. And it wasn't just so that Brendan Hannington could have a couple of good food messages. But I believe that God put it in there for a purpose. And the reason is, you look at every one of those stories that we were mentioning, I was mentioning, and you realize that food really is a choice. It's a choice. I've given this example, I know, in Young Life before, but it does, it, you sometimes can't help hearing what you hear. You go to work and you're going to hear some stuff that you probably don't want to hear. 
If you're driving down the road, you don't have the option of closing your eyes and driving. You're sometimes going to see some things that you don't want to see. It doesn't matter, you know, hearing, smelling. Oh, they're smelling, right? Oh, I wish we could choose what we smell, right? But tasting. I mean, if I, if, I, if I had that smorgasbord laid out, you've got the choice of what you're going to indulge in. You've got the choice of what you're going to partake of. You've got the choice of what you're going to put in your system. And I believe that's why God said, taste and see. Make the choice and see that God is good. Whether you eat something, whether you partake of something, it is a choice. And every one of those scriptures that start talking about food, you realize God is showing you there's a choice being made by this individual to either live right, to live wrong, to trade that birthright, to make a choice here, to do that. There is always a choice involved with that food. We are to make the choice. We're to make the right choice. So what does that even mean? I can't. Here's the truth about choices. I can't make your choices. Pastor Donovan can't make your choices. Lizzie, Chloe, Shana, they can't make your choices. Cassandra can't make your choices. She'll worship up here. She'll dance and shout. But they, none of them can make your choices for you. You've got to make your own choice. And so it doesn't matter how you live your life, but you've got to be the one that tastes and see. Another thing about food you've got to understand, it's that nutritional value. You can't partake of the nutritions unless what? You partake of the food. It's not, you can't just stare at it forever and hope that it somehow through osmosis or some other weird science that you're going to get the goodness from this. No, you've got to taste it. And so same with God. You can't just show up and watch everybody else making the choice. You've got to make the choice. I'm going to do what God asks me to do. I'm not going to hope that Donovan preaches a good message and then maybe I'll come up to the altar and pray a good prayer and maybe then I'll taste it. No, you've got to make a choice. I'm going there. I'm doing what I need to do. Why? Because I'm going to taste and see that the Lord is good. Tonight, I want to go take one instance of the Bible that talks about food, and I want to talk about creating a desire to diet on the things of God. Living a lifestyle desiring, the cho- choosing the things that he wants for your life. You walk up to restaurants probably every now and again, and before you walk in, you'll walk up. Sometimes they have the menu on the door, right? And you'll go, what's on the menu? And you'll make the choice, am I going to go in there or am I not? And God, he, he, he lays the menu out. And you've got to make the choice. Am I going to live that lifestyle? Am I going to live that Christian walk that God's called me to live? Or am I going to choose not to go that direction? And so tonight, just for another 15 minutes, I, I want to talk for a few short minutes about a man by the name of Daniel. Daniel was an Israelite that got to live in Israel during a very, very rough time. See, his, his country, his people, they were taken over by Babylon, right? And Babylon, they take all the brightest and the, the best looking and the sharpest young men, and they take them all back to Babylon. And they say, we're going to make good little Babylonites out of you. Babylonians, there we go. <laughs> we're going to make good Babylonians out of you. And so he, they, they, Daniel and his friends, they end up being part of that brigade that gets taken back to Babylon. And the first thing that Babylon does, isn't it incredible? 
is they tried to get these young men on their diet plan. I mean, they could have they could have done a bunch of different regiments, right? They could have given them, made them do a hundred different things. But isn't it incredible that the first thing you see Babylon doing to Daniel and the rest of the Israelites is make a choice. Make a choice. Are you going to live your Jewish lifestyle? Are you going to live doing what is right before God? Or are you going to just go with the flow and follow along with Babylon? See, Jews, they had a very, very strict diet plan, right? And here was Babylon saying, no, 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 no. That's great that you have your diet plan. That's wonderful. And you know what? Go home and celebrate that in your home. But when you're in the king's temple, here's what we're going to lay out for you. And here's what you're going to eat of. See, the world we live in, They don't mind that you go to church. But when you walk out of these doors, they expect you to eat what's served to you. They expect for you to consume what's given to you. They expect for you to go along with the flow. Just consume whatever it is the king of this world is serving you. And you just go along with the flow and just enjoy that. Don't ask any questions. Don't stand up and and, and say, no, 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 I I, I don't eat that way. I, I don't partake that way. I make different choices. No, 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 no. You, 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 you go to church on Sunday, that's fine, go to church on Sunday, go to church on Wednesdays, first Monday, whatever, do your thing. But when you come back through those doors, we expect you to choose this food. See, Daniel, here he was in a very, very peculiar situation. Can you imagine, even if it was a room just this foot full of this many people, making, standing up, looking at that food, looking at that smorgasbord, looking at the best of the best, and standing up with a couple of people and saying, Hey, uh, yeah, we don't eat that. Can you imagine? I mean, the audacity. Daniel, just shut up, dude. Like, man, shh. Like, don't you see what they did to the rest of us? They killed everyone. Like, shut up. We're alive. Be happy. And yet Daniel, he purposed, verse 8. Let's put that up on the screen. Daniel purposed in his heart. Purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself of the king's meat and the king's wine, the portion of the king's, uh, what does it say, delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And so Daniel puts him to the test and says, well, the, first of all, the eunuch's like, whoa, whoa, I can't do this, man. The king will kill me if I, if I let you do this. And Daniel says, wait, let, let's try something for a week. Let, let, me, let me eat my way. Let me do things the way my God has asked me to do it. Let me make the choice that God has asked me to make. And I'll let, let's come back, come back, and let's see how we're doing. And so the eunuch kind of goes, he slowly agrees to it. And sure enough, a week goes by, and what happens? They come back and go, wow, you guys are healthier. You guys are more vibrant. You're more active. You've got more energy. You guys, something's different about you guys. And, and sure enough, the, the eunuch, he says, you guys can continue doing whatever you're doing. And there it was. Daniel purposed in his heart. He said, I am making the choice. I will not defile myself by the standards of this world. And I will stand for what's right because God has called me to live a different lifestyle than what this world has, has offered me. It wasn't when the heat was on on Daniel that he made up his mind. Purposing something in your heart doesn't happen when the temptation shows up and the burners get turned up to 11, right? It's something that you and God do together, alone, at an altar, in a prayer closet. So how, how did Daniel make this choice then? Here it was, I mean, he's gone out of the fire, out of the stove and into the fire, right? And all the thing, things are tough all of a sudden, and, and Daniel's still making the right choice. I mean, he's no young... No older than any of y'all. 
I mean, he's, he's, you know, just 15, 16, 18-year-old young man, and yet he's able to stand up to the power, the world power of that day and say, we're doing things a little differently. We're choosing things a little differently. We're choosing the lifestyle that God has called us to choose. Well, let's, let's talk about it. There were three things he did. First of all, he was intentional. He had intentionality. It wasn't by mistake. He didn't just like, whoa, whoa, made the right choice there. Wow, that was lucky. No, he was intentional. That was number one. Number two, he had, he had the right friends around him. And number three, he knew how to take a stand. First Peter 3, 15 says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Daniel had an answer and he had a plan. He didn't hum and ha and oops and ah and oh well, uh, 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 no. Daniel knew why he was making the choice that he made. Daniel knew. He, he'd reasoned it. He'd already, he'd already crossed off all the exes, done all the work, homework behind closed doors. He knew, okay, I'm going to Babylon. Here I go. And he knew when I walk into this new situation, I'm, no, I'm still going to be the man God's called me to be. Here's the thing, you're going to go to work tomorrow, you're going to go to school tomorrow, no no more school, there we go, but you're going to go into your situations, and you've got to be, you've got to have enough wherewithal to understand, I'm going into a secular situation. I'm going into a situation where my faith might not be uplifted, my faith might not be smiled upon and and, and lifted up, no, my, my faith might be tested. And so you should have enough God within you, enough time spent with God, that tomorrow I'm going to be the same person in my office, I'm going to be the same person around my friends that I am at church on Wednesday night, that I am at church on Sunday. I have enough wherewithal that I'm going to be the same Christian man, same Christian woman that God's called me to be no matter what situation I walk into. And it's not going to happen by accident. And I wish it did. Because life, man, that'd be a lot easier, right? If, if by accident, all of a sudden, I had integrity. By, by accident, all of a sudden, I was honest. By accident, you know, I wasn't spreading gossip. By accident, I wasn't fearful. By accident, no, no. All this stuff comes by being intentional. You're not going to become a, a, a better reader by, by watching another show on Netflix. You're not going to become a better person of prayer by, by spending uh, more time running around outside, no, you've got to say, okay, it's time for me to go pray. It's time for me to go do this, to do that. You've got to make it up in your mind that I'm going to be intentional about every aspect of my life. Clearly, Daniel was, right? Clearly, he was intentional. Some of us, some of us like Daniel, find ourselves in places where all of a sudden, we don't know what to answer with. And it's all because of a lack of intentionality. Here's the thing, spiritual warfare. What Daniel walked into was spiritual warfare. He walked into a situation where the enemy, uh, the, the spirits of that world, they were attacking him. They were going at what God had given him. They were going after these guys. These are the Jewish people. These are God's people. And Babylon is trying to what? Just suck them up, just envelop them, take them over. This is the spirits of those days. And the fact is, whether we like it or not, and this is the sad truth, we are in warfare. This is spiritual warfare. 
It's not spiritual patty cake. This isn't just hope that I make it to heaven. No, you've got to be intentional about it. You don't just hope my kids are going to make it to heaven. You be intentional about it. You can't just hope that I'm going to have a prayer life. I'm going to hope I have a walk with God. No, be intentional about it. This is spiritual warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. You don't wrestle against your boss. You don't wrestle against your co-worker. You're wrestling against spirits every single day. It's, just, it's, the, it's the truth. There is a spirit realm. It is real. As real as you and I are. And if you're going to live properly for God, you've got to understand I'm in a war, and I'm not just on the sidelines. I'm in this thing. And so if you can understand that right there, all of a sudden things start to change. Okay, life's a little different. I've got to be intentional about this. Why? Man, I, I'm reading, I'm, I'm all over right now, Stonewall Jackson. I'm reading all about the Civil War, and I'm listening to these guys, and not one of them for one instant are, are, are just happenstancely walking into a battle. No, I'm listening, and it's like chapter, it's literally like two chapters of them getting ready for a battle. And I'm like, wow, these guys weren't playing games. And then I think about me and my prayer life, and then I walk into a prayer meeting, and I'm praying 15 minutes. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that you do great things at Life Point. And I'm not understanding. It's a war. And unless we understand that you're in a battle, teen, man, young life, you guys are in a battle for your souls. Young parents, you guys are in a battle for your souls, your kids' souls. Man, young, older parents, if you're not, you guys are in a battle. And it's a warfare you must walk through every day. Be intentional about it. Don't let it happen by accident. Be intentional. 2 Timothy 2, 15 says, Do your best to present yourself approved to God, a workman who does not need, uh, need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There was Paul talking to a young man, just saying, be intentional, Timothy. Be intentional, man. Do your very best. Don't be, don't, don't just like, let it happen to you, Timothy. Be, be your best. James 4 and 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Be intentional. Don't, 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 don't let another day go by without being intentional. That was number one. Daniel was intentional. Number two, he chose his friends wisely. Daniel had his friends with him, standing behind him, standing beside him. Psalms 1 and 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Ten years ago, I would have told you, choosing your friends, oh, that's just a teenager thing. That's just a young adult thing. But more and more and more, as I get older and older, I realize, even as an adult, you've got to watch out who you're hanging out with. You've got to watch out who you're sharing your heart with. Because, man, I'm telling you, you are, this is a great quote, Jim Rome says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if you look around you and go, man, that person really rubs me the wrong way, and that person, and, and man, I'm really close, but man, I don't want to spend too much. You might want to take a step back because you might be a lot like them. You might be a whole lot like them and not even realize it. You might be a little bit, I guess, blind to what you've become. But you need to look at the friends in your life. 
The people that you spend your time around will determine the godly diet that you will choose. If you have people spurring, I love that one scripture, spur one another on to good works. Spur, spur. Man, that's an uncomfortable word right there. Ask any horse around, right? But you spur. You try and spur a horse on. It's going to kind of fight you for a minute, but you keep spurring. Why? Because you're pushing. You're pushing. You're going in the right direction. And sometimes a friend is someone who's going to spur you on. It might not be comfortable all the time, but it's someone that's going to get in your grill and say, hey, what, what's, what's, your, what's your life looking like? What, what are you doing? Which direction are you going? Are you going the right direction? Are you, are you being intentional? Are you doing the things God's called you to do? Spur one another on. Get around some people that will spur you on. As iron sharpeneth iron, right? That's what it's all about. It's all about somebody that's going to kind of give you a little nudge, even though it's uncomfortable sometimes. But say, you know what, you, you, you've got something inside you. You can't stay where you are right now. Get somebody that's willing to get in your face a little bit. They don't need to be mean about it. But, but have someone like that by your side. There was Daniel and his friends, and obviously his friends were, you know, whether they got into a huddle, I like to think, you know, football terms, they're like, all right, let's, you know, here's what we're going to do. You break right, I'll break left, and I'll go to the king, I'll go to the eunuch, blah, 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 you know. And it's like they walked up, and they had a plan. But they had a team, a community around them, and they were willing to go at it together. Watch out who you have around you. Be careful. Young people, be careful who you're spending your time around. Because it's true, I'm telling you, if you get around people that don't have a diet or, or any appetite for the things of God, it will not take you long spending time with them before your appetite will continue to diminish. Clearly, we have to be a light in this world. We have to be salt in this world. We have to be a difference maker in the lives of all people. But you can choose who it is that you spend your most time around. People you spend your time around will determine who you grow up to be and the role you will play in the kingdom of God. You can tell a lot about a, one person, a single person, by who they spend their time with. You will either edify one another or you will poison one another. Mark 9, 40, uh, 9 verse 47, and it says, And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. If you are hanging out with people that you know when you get around them, you will make bad choices or you will diminish the appetite for the things of God. Break off that friendship. It is better for you to go to heaven with less friends than go into hell with all the friends in the world. Number three, he took a stand. He had all the answers. He was intentional. He had all the right friends. But when the rubber met the road, I, I like to think of it this way, man, if all those friends had kind of disappeared, he was standing solo, he was still willing to take a stand. There has to be some people, I believe, in this room tonight, I believe I'm looking at a group of people, a group of God-called people, that are willing to take a stand in 2018. I love what Joshua said in 24, verse 15. He said, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve.
serve the Lord. He said, I don't care what the rest of you do, whether the rest of you want to live in this promised land, whether you want to live for God or not. Just understand one thing. This guy right here, his family, yeah, we're living for God. We're taking a stand right here. We're not going to the left. We're not going to the right. We're not bringing idols into our house. We're not going to eat any foreign meat. We are going to stand for God, and we are going to serve the God of our fathers. There needs to be some people at LifePoint saying it doesn't matter what anyone else does. What anyone else does, whether the person in the row in front of me decides to live this life the rest of their life or not, whether the person behind me decides they're going to do it, whether my girlfriend or boyfriend, whether my, whether my friend, whether my lifelong friend, it doesn't matter. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. That's that intentionality, that stand. Here it goes. I'm changing. I'm changing it. It doesn't matter. I'm going. This is where I'm going. That decision does not get made on the battlefield. That stance doesn't get made when all the arrows are flying and all of a sudden the choices are having to be made. That stand happens before then. That, that, that stand doesn't happen when the fear, those anxiety, those anxious thoughts start to roll into your mind. That, that, that stand doesn't happen when that depression starts to take you over. That stand doesn't happen when all of a sudden you're looking at your bank account and all of a sudden there's more month than there is uh, finances. That stand doesn't happen on those days. That stand happens way before then. And you're saying, it doesn't matter, God. It doesn't matter. Come sickness, come come. Come, come, poor fin- come poor finances, come all my friends leaving me, come any of that, God, I'm making the stand. Your stand will be tested. Your stand will be tested. If you're taking a stand for God, if you've been intentional, if you've chosen the right friends, and now you're taking a stand, I'm telling you, it will be tested. It doesn't matter who you are, what you're going through, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come. The Bible says that the rain, it falls on the just and the unjust, on the good, the bad, the ugly. It doesn't matter. The rain's coming. And you've got to realize, am I going to stand or am I going to fall? Stand for truth. Stand for holiness. Stand for purity. Stand. Be, be, be intentional about that stance even. Be intentional about every aspect of your life as you grow, as you grow as a Christian, as you decide my life is going to be what God's called it to be. There's got to be that intentionality that just stirs up inside. It says I'm going to be intentional in every aspect. If you're going to become a better person, it's going to be because you're intentional. If you're going to become a better Christian, it's going to be because you're intentional. If you're going to do what God's called you to do, it's going to be because you're intentional. If you're going to do what God's called you to do, it's going to be because about people around you, the community you associate with, the friends that you interact with, it's going to be because of that that you decide, I, I, this is the life I'm living. And if you're going to take that stance, if, you get, if you're going to decide, I'm, I'm standing, it doesn't matter what comes at me, it doesn't matter what, what, what comes at my life, like Joshua stood there in verse chapter 24, 15, as for me and my house, oh, I love that. I can just, I can kind of see him, you know. I doubt he had a clear podium, but he got, he got behind whatever podium he could get behind, and I can just see him, you know. Just, oh, as for me and my house, here we go. We're going to serve the Lord. Be a light. Make a difference. Change your world. Daniel and the other boys would later be tested again with a fiery furnace and with a lion's den, but because they had made the choices once, the next time became a little bit easier. Because of their later decisions, that lion and that fiery furnace, the king later on would decree that everyone was to worship 
the God of Daniel. If you, if you think, well, I can't make a difference unless I spend all my time with that person. I'm telling you, look at that. Dan, Daniel didn't have, all he had to do was take a stand. I'm telling you, God has a way of working things out. You take the, you be intentional where you can be intentional. You, you, you be the best you that God's called you to be. You, you get the right people around you, and you take a stand when you need to take a stand, and you watch what God does through your life. Because what he did through Daniel's life, what he did through this Hebrew boy's life, was all of a sudden, in the, uh, this ungodly nation of Babylon, they're decreeing that God of Daniel and God of the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's the only God. That's, that's just, like, unheard of. But because of choices they made, God was able to be lifted up in an ungodly nation. We are to be that light. We are to be intentional, have friends, stand. And I believe that because of the choices that we make, God will be lifted up in Prairieville. God will be lifted up in Ascension Parish. God will be lifted up in Gonzales and, and Livingston and, and, and all Walker, all these parts. Because there's some people saying, you know what? I'm making a stand for God. Let's all stand tonight. We can never do enough good to achieve God's grace. We can't do enough good. I love Isaiah says, my, my righteousness is what? It's filthy rags. My righteousness is filthy rags. And that's why in Matthew, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God in my righteousness. See, seek, seek, seek his righteousness. Your righteousness, it's, it's filthy rags. I mean, I, I, there's no nice way to put that, right? You can do all the good works. You can do all, you know, be as friendly as you want to be to all the people that need friends. And you can feed the poor and do all that good stuff. And your righteousness is filthy rags. And that's why we're to seek God. Seek ye first the kingdom, his kingdom, and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. We can never do enough good. It's kind of like dieting. You can work out all you want, but unless you follow the proper protocol, you will never achieve that look that you're going for. I mean, you can eat. If if you're going to eat all that, we've looked at all those hamburgers, Chick-fil-A french fries, Cane's chicken. You can work out all you want, but if you're never going to change your diet, if you're never going to make the choice that my diet's got to change, you will never achieve what it is that you're looking for. It's the same with... You, you can do all the good things. You can, you know, do all the good works. But unless you follow the proper protocol, his word, you will never achieve what it is God is calling you to do. First of all, the Bible obviously says, it's a, uh, most of us know this, but that we are to be born again. Born of the water and of the spirit. See, Jesus died that we could have life. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. And we're supposed to follow that exact same process, right? Die to self, buried in baptism, rise rise again in new life, filled with his spirit. But then we got to seek his kingdom, seek his righteousness. And I believe tonight in this place, there's some people that are seeking his kingdom first. They're saying, my kingdom, I've worked on my kingdom long enough. And it's time to start working on God's kingdom. It's time to start lifting up his name. I've, I've, I've tried to lift up my name long enough, but it's time to lift up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I believe that if we make that choice, the people in this room tonight, we, we never mind of, you know, Father's Day or any other day when 
every one of these seats is filled. If, if this the people in this room right now say, I'm changing what I've been going after because I'm going after him. If we make that choice, I believe God's going to do great things. All of a sudden, we're going to run out of space time and time and time again. I believe we're going to be looking at new buildings. We're going to be looking at new land. We're going to be doing all the things that we have to do. You know why? Because there's people saying, it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I'm hungry for. It's about the things of God and what he wants and what he desires. And I want what he wants. Tonight, if we could just lift our hands right now, all across this room. Just start to pray. God, in the past, I've gone for myself. I've done the things that I've wanted to do. I've, I've had doubt. I've had fear. And I'm casting that aside, God. I'm casting aside the things that I've, I've desired. And I'm desiring the things of you. Right now, if people in this room that maybe have never even thought, giving God a second thought, if you right now would just open up your mind to the things of God, He loves you. He desires a relationship with you. He has hope. He has a future for you. God wants to move in some lives right now. He wants to bring some peace, some joy. You've been a long time without joy. God wants to bring joy into some lives right now. That's it. Lift up your voices. Hallelujah, Jesus. All across Show this place, God. I pray, sweep into this room, God. God, you want to move in a mighty way, Lord. Let 